Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on November the 4th, 2010. Now, newcomers look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website because you'll find hundreds of talks I've given over the years and you can access them and download them for free. And remember too, on the front page there, you'll see the alternate sites bookmark them too because sometimes so many of you go into the com site at the one time, you'll get a sticky download. So you can try these alternate sites. And remember, too, that you're an audience that bring me to you. Most hosts will take their money from advertisers and bring them on as guests and so on. And uh, I don't, I, I depend on you, the listeners, to support me. You can buy the few books I have for sale, the discs and so on. I, I don't have time to do any more, actually. I'm so busy here doing this. But uh, you can buy them and keep me going, and you can donate as well. You can go into the site, as I say, and uh, you'll see how to how to purchase and how to donate. It's all quite clear for you to do. From the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can use a personal check, and you can use an international postal money order from your post office. You can also use cash, some forty cent cash. Across the rest of the world, a lot of people will use Western Union or MoneyGram. MoneyGram is a bit cheaper. And you can also get a MoneyGram check, which you can post. That's cheaper than wiring still. And that's uh, put into Canadian dollars, and that would be cashed over here quite easily. And some people use PayPal to order or to donate. It's up to you across the world. Um, you find the PayPal button, send the appropriate donation, and send an email with your name, address, and the order, and I'll get it out to you. And on the show, as I say, I try to go differently from the usual stream that people go into, which is the, the dialectic because the world is run on a dialectic process of really this and that. It's always opposing forces that eventually come to a thesis or an understanding. And when you do that, of course, you've actually lost your grounding altogether. You're, you've, you've backed off one step. That means that someone down the road is going to come and bring up the same arguments again and grab more. You get weakened when you compromise. And they come up with a thesis that becomes a new thesis for the new premise to start with again to get the antithesis going. And this is supposed to be called the argumentative strategy for communism, as they call it. And you think it's long dead. Well, it's not. It's more improved. It's perfected. It's blended with the West now. And every government across the Western world was totally infiltrated, but way back in the 50s and 60s, speeding up in the 60s through the 70s until you don't know it yet. Most folk don't know it. They've actually been completely taken over for a global society. And I'll be talking about that tonight a little bit because it's so out of the, the realm of most people uh, who read the media that they couldn't even follow it, to be honest with you, as to what's happened. Uh, they haven't got an idea of what's happened. And, of course, the problems with guys like me is where do you even start with them? Most folk, you can't start with them. They truly believe if there was anything big had happened, they would have been informed by the media. Remember, the media does not have to tell you the truth. That came out in a, in a documentary made by a team from Fox 
who were supposed to be an independent journalistic team, and when they came up with a big story about one of the clients that advertises, they were told to drop it. They took it all the way to the, the Supreme Court in America, the U.S., and the judge said there's no, there is no law requiring media to tell people the truth. Now, that law hasn't changed. It never will change, by the way, because the media is not there to help you. It's meant to control you and keep you busy and give you the wrong impressions about things and have you arguing and fighting over what side you'll take on something. They give you two sides always. It's always this or that. And that's why you're beat with people who have learned from childhood a completely different strategy of thinking and attack. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, talking about a different world. It's the real world, and most people have a hard time understanding the real world is completely different from the one they've been trained to believe in, and that's what the matrix is all about. It's a Plato's cave, and each country had a designed Plato's cave for different cultures and mentalities and belief systems, and that becomes the reality. They do expect, mind you, all of them, that the media will tell them what's coming up and what to do about it and protect them. They do the reasoning for them, and that's what Brzezinski said a long time ago. The media will come to be relied upon to do their thinking for the people and their reasoning for them, he said. But when you go into an article like the one I'm going to read here, and it's from the British equivalent of the Senate of the U.S., it's the House of Lords. Now, the House of Lords at one time were people who had inherited titles and who stood up for what they called British values and all that. The other side called them the right wing. And they used to stand up for British tradition, etc., etc. Of course they were thinking rich, and of course they were big top guys from massive corporations based in London and so on. Many of them had worked in and out of the Bank of England, or one of the main banks in the city, as they still call it. You'll hear it in this, this actual article I'm about to read. And this is an interesting... Well, when you go into the records of what they discuss in the House of Lords, the superior court, you might say, uh, everything is out in the open, if you know what you're reading. Everything, the whole world agenda is discussed and out in, in the open. It's like reading through the communist, socialist agenda, when you read through all the different um, areas where tax money is going, is to go, I think 380-odd... There's actually 380, I think, million pounds have to be given from Britain to Europe to build roads across and different factories and so on across Europe, but not in Britain in one year alone. They've already given them this cash this year. Uh, This is the redistribution of wealth across the world. And this started a long time ago when they started to put in uh, uh, new types of lords, ones who they worked for the merchants, the merchant bankers. They started getting titles and so on, very rich people. And they started giving them more and more titles until they took over, and eventually this is the new House of Lords. And really, it's, it's almost where the Politburo left off when you read all this kind of stuff. And if you know what you're reading, you're reading the agenda. 
It's amazing. It's all here with all the terms in it from the previous government, the terms like the Great Society and all that kind of stuff, the big society that was used, meaning this collectivistic system we're going into. But here's a part here. Listen to this carefully. I'll try and explain it to you. And it's from, uh, it's from one of the British lords, Lord James. And he's talking about um, someone to get a, a grip on a journey. This is from November the 1st, by the way. Uh, uh, in the House of Lords, from their official uh, site. He says, on a, on a general strategy to save the retail industry from another calamity. But then he goes on to the food industry. And it goes through banking and so on. Because in the food industry, another element of the world out there at the moment, the world out there at the moment is potentially waiting for the pratfall of a massive collective bankruptcy is the food processing industry. Now, that's the chemicalized food processing industry that's destroyed everyone's health, which this man is well aware of, though. He says, the more accent is moved from the small corner shop. See, the big idea was to demolish all private small stores and be international corporations only. That was the other technique of communism, by the way. He says, the more production has been stepped up by the food producers to satisfy, now listen, the ever-increasing demands of cheap food. Cheap food. As you go down, as the ordinary folk gets taxed more and more, they lose everything. They're demanding cheap food. And that's what you get in the supermarkets now coming through the grocery chains, the chain stores. Of course, they've fallen into the trap again of finding themselves to too uh, high a capacity for the market demand, with the result that the grocers can rub their hands with glee and say, we can screw the margins down so tight you won't be able to breathe, and the suppliers are going to go collectively pop sometime in the next few months because they will not be able to keep up the demand, right? The food, you should know about your food here. And there's a big social factor coming. We will have the present dependence on cheap food to keep some sort of society. He says, we will have the, this is for the harder thinking, I'll say this twice. We will have the present dependence on cheap food to keep some sort of society structure fed. Some sort of society structure fed. What does he mean by that? What do you think he means by some sort of society structure fed? But we'll actually end up being forced up on prices as the industry goes out of business in terms of its ability to keep supply going and prices are forced up in groceries chains. This is going to be another calamity coming and we need to have a top-down view as what to do with it. But listen to this, this, this Lord, this high up, way up yonder Lord, you see. He says, I've given your Lordship three examples of why I think we, we need something. But the creation of the three, they always mention the three. This is all wording these amongst themselves. As along the lines that I have been talking about would be of the order of a five billion pound check required to you to, to bail them out for food and so on to do it. However, we do not have five billion pounds. This guy has been the head of the Bank of England and all the rest of it, the Treasury, yada yada. It says, we don't have five billion to put into the creation of this at the moment, so what do we do about it? At this point, I'm going to have to make a very, a big apology to my noble friend, Lord Sassoon. Everyone should know who Lord Sassoon is. But I'm about to raise a subject that I would not raise and which is going to be one which I think is now time to put on a higher awareness and to explain to the house as a whole, as I do not think your lordships have any knowledge of it. I am sorry my noble friend Lord Strathclyde is not with us at the moment because this deeply concerns him also. Now, listen, this is no little conspiracy guy talking. He's talking to his own peer group, and they obviously will know what he's talking about, you see. 
It's not a confession of any kind, by the way. He says, For the past 20 weeks I've been engaged in a very strange dialogue with two noble lords, in the course of which I've been trying to bring to their attention the willing availability of a strange organization, which wishes to make a great deal of money available to assist the recovery of the economy in this country. For want of a better name, I shall call it Foundation X. Foundation. It says, that's not its real name, but it will do for the moment. Foundation X was introduced to me 20 weeks ago last week by an eminent city firm. That's the city, the banking city, London, which is FSA controlled. Its chairman came to me and said, we have this extraordinary request to assist in a major financial reconstruction. It is megabucks, but we need your help to assist us in understanding where this business is legitimate. I had the biggest put down in my life from my noble friend Lord Strathclyde when I told him the story. He said, you, you're not important enough to have uh, the answer to a question like that. And he's quite right. I'm not important enough. But the answer to the question was, you haven't got the experience for it. Then he goes to contradict the guy. He says, yes, I do. I've had one of the biggest experiences in the laundering of terrorist money and funny money that anyone has had in the city. I've handled billions of pounds of terrorist money. This is in the House of Lords, folks. And then Baroness Hollis of Hyam, I guess the name is, and you don't know what her real name is, you've got to check these people out to find out who they really are. Where did it go? Lord James of Blackheath replies, Not into my pocket. My biggest terrorist cheat client was the IRA. For the harder thinking, I'll repeat that, because I know you short attention spans. Not into my pocket. My biggest terrorist client was the IRA. And I'm pleased to say that I managed to write off more than one billion pounds of his money. I've also had extensive connections with North African terrorists, but that was of a far nastier nature. And I don't want to talk about that because it's still a security issue. I hasten to add that it's no good getting the police in. This is in the House of Lords, he's telling them this. Because he's talking about it. I hasten to add there's no good getting the police in because I shall immediately call the Bank of England as my defense witness, given that it put me in to deal with these problems. The point is that when I was in the course of doing this strange activity, I had an interesting set of phone numbers and references that I could go for help when I needed it. So people in the city, the city, the banking city, have known that if they want to check out anything that looks odd at all, they can come to me and I can press a few phone numbers to obtain a reference. Just like that. This is amazing power, isn't it? The city firm, the capital C, uh, to me and asked whether I could get a reference and a clearance on Foundation X. For 20 weeks I've been endeavoring to do that. I've come to the absolute conclusion that Foundation X is completely genuine and sincere and that it directly wishes to make the United Kingdom um, one of the principal points that it will use. Principal points again that it will use to disseminate as an extraordinary great wealth into the world at this precise moment or present moment as part of an attempt to seek recovery of the global, not the British economy, the global economy, right? Then he says, he made two calls. He made a phone call to his noble friend Lord Strathclyde on a Sunday afternoon. I think he was sitting in his lawn and he did the quickest ball pass that had ever been witnessed if England can do anything like it. At Twickenham on Saturday, it will have been a, a chance against the All Blacks. This is a cricket. The next thing I knew, I had a noble friend, Lord Sassoon, on the phone from the outside 
or the outside, he took the proper defensive attitude of total skepticism and said, this can't possibly be right. During the following weeks, my noble friend said, go and talk to the Bank of England. So I phoned the governor. He can can just go and phone the governor, you see, and ask whether he could check this out for me and come back. Uh, He said, this is rubbish. It can't possibly be right. And I said, I'm going to work more on it. Then he brought one of the senior executives from the Foundation X to meet my noble friend, Lord Strathcride. I had to say that his first date scope was not a great success. Neither of them ended up by inviting the other out for a coffee or a drink at the end of the evening, and they did not exchange telephone numbers in order to follow up on the meeting. Now, they're making some kind of deal here, obviously. is isn't just a straight gift, or it be put over as a gift. So I found myself between a rock and a hard place that were totally uh, that were paranoid about each other, because Foundation X people have an amazing obsession with their own security. Very high executive group, obviously. They expect to be contacted only by someone of equal head of state status or someone with an international security rating. That's a top bank ranking, equal to the top six people in the world. We're talking about big, big players here that sink or break or float countries. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix, going over a very interesting article uh, from the British House of Lords from their own website on the minutes of the meetings as they discuss some things on November the 1st of this year. And uh, Lord James has come up with this amazing talk about uh, a foundation that really, you don't know if it's trying to buy Britain, uh, what it's doing. There's some sort of deal, obviously it's not completely free, but um, it's part of the big players. Uh, and actually admit that this foundation is a massive player in this big world market deal. But it says anyway that uh, the objections of the fellow lords, his honourable lords and all that, keep calling them honourable, that's how they talk to each other, um, so we've been able to, tr- to, to put $5 billion into a bank account without sticking it like a sore thumb, as these people had already claimed they had done this year earlier, put $5 billion into British banks. But I remember at that same time those transfers being made, the noble Lord Lord Miners was indulging in his game of rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic of the British banking community. If he had three banks at that time, which he had, or which had, say, a, def- a deficiency of 1.5 million each, then you'd pretty well have absorbed the, the entire $5 billion, and you would not have had the sore thumb sticking out at that time. You have taken 1.5 billion into each of the three banks, and you would have absorbed the lot. That would be a logical explanation. He says, I don't really know. But then he goes on about this particular group and $5 billion approached by, and it's all in gold, by the way. Massive. Can you imagine if they dump that in the market, how it will plummet? Can you imagine? Hmm? Some big things are going to happen about this. But there are very secretive foundations with incredible, credible wealth. They even approached the Vatican, it's in this, this, this particular article too, to see if they could go back and find out how much gold was even uh, presence being hoarded in the world. And the Vatican affirmed that that could have been done if it goes back a long, long time. And this company, this foundation, claims to have been collecting gold since 1920. Nothing but gold, gold, gold. So anyway, that's the sort of things that come up. And, and also, obviously, they're going, to, they're going to face a massive uh, food fall. 
uh, shortly as people go into more and more cheap food. That's all they can afford as they're getting taxed to pay and spread their wealth across the world under this communist. And it is communist. Even these House of Lords now are utterly communist. When you read all the other articles for the day's meetings, it's all straight out to the communist agenda and the big society and all of that stuff. All of that stuff. It's incredible to read it now. It's, it's, it's Britain was taken over a long, long time ago. I can remember all the lords being given titles even during Tony Blair's period. He was given artists and so on, uh, knighthoods. And all you have to do is pay 40 grand at that time, 40,000 pounds. And old Mr. Tony Blair would put your name in for a knighthood and quite a few went for it too. But then, the bigger players have been in for a long time, all the big players, the money boys, and they're all absolutely world socialists. Let's just call it that. Let's just call it that for the moment. But there you are. He says he laundered money for the IRA and for terrorist groups and billions and pounds, billions and billions of pounds. But utter immunity in his position as the head of one of the biggest banks in this city, as they call their little sovereign territory there within a country. Quite something, eh? Well, from there to the rubbish that you would get again in a communist country when science is supposed to rule and all strange theories were put put out about humans and how to control them and all the rest of it and how to remake humanity is, is even more important. But there's so much feminist nonsense gets plugged as well, like the Soviet era too, so much did get plugged uh, about the causes of things. And here's one little article here. Her mum's guilty of driving their daughters to early puberty. No kidding. And that's Time Healthland. And it says here, uh, it says, uh, that puberty is transforming girls into women at increasingly earlier ages is hardly new. Just last month, a study in pediatrics showed that some girls are starting to show signs of puberty at age seven. By the way, I've just watched a fantastic video on uh, the big bottle water industry. But it really goes into the phthalates and the biosphenol A's and all the rest of it that that, that make estrogen and and go through the incredible studies that they've done on it. Again, all proving what we already know for for folk who've listened on this show. But it says, here it says, um, so what's happening, though, is apparently up for debate. It's often attributed to environmental toxins, estrogens and plastics and other chemicals in food to poor diet, which can lead to obesity. But in rather unusual way of looking at that things, researcher Jay Belsky of Birkbeck University in London hypothesized that precocious puberty may be a result of a risky, unstable environment. For example, one typified by weak infant parent bonds. Can you believe this rubbish? According to Revolution, a girl's perception of such an unstable environment can compel her to want to reproduce before she'd die. You see? Next says, um, an evolutionary biology perspective says, because they all believe in evolution, that, that, that really it would mean that, say, suppose we're going into a warming age. By their way of thinking, we should suddenly evolve with darker skins to survive sun and all the rest of it, more sweat glands to, to get lose heat and get rid of it quickly, all that stuff. They really believe this stuff. I haven't seen anything happening my whole life. I haven't seen apes walking out of the, uh, half apes walking out of the jungle yet, you know. And, and mid-stride mid between human and... I, this doesn't happen. But this doesn't matter to these idiots here because they're brainwashed and they have authority, by the way. The scary ones have authority. So this is what she's trying to say. It's to, so it's a little child can breed. 
because things are getting bad and there's no men. And then they go into, it could also be caused by absent dads. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix, just going through the the nonsensical stuff that's thrown out there by those who... You understand, everything now is doctrine. Doctrine. Just like the communists had doctrine. And you couldn't deviate from the doctrine. Regardless of how crazy it sounded, and, and no matter if it wasn't workable, if you came up with a solution, it wasn't workable. As I say, it's like they'd stamp the, the square pegs into round holes one way or another, you know, or kill, kill the person who couldn't comply and get it done. That, that's how, how crazy it is. But evolution's all part of that too. It's a big part of it, in fact. In fact, Marx talked about evolution. He, says that, he said that Darwin had validated, validated the whole science, they called it, of, of uh, communism. They believe that all they can be brought down to an actual science itself. And, and here, so does the Green Party too. They're all part of the same sect. However, this part here is on about females with early puberty and they're blaming different things. It could be the mum. It could be the absence or, or, or of, of a stable environment. So she wants to breed early unless you've got intelligence, right? At that age. And, and uh, the other part is it could be absent dads. You see, absent dads. There's no men around. Maybe I should start. Uh, uh, becoming an early puberty person and, um, and, and someone down the line will grab me very quickly and, and humanity will carry on into empty grocery stores. Anyway, it says here, uh, this is how they believe it. An evolutionary biology perspective says, look, the thing that nature most cares about with respect to all living things, humans included, is dispersing genes in future generations, says Belsky, whose research is published in Psychological Science. Thus, under those conditions in which the future appears precarious, where I might not even survive long enough to breed tomorrow, then I should mature earlier, so I can mate earlier before that precarious future might get me. So, imagine that, that, that whole part of you that didn't, you didn't even know existed, this intelligence that's outside of yourself, it's to do with, you know, the theory of evolution, is speaking all the time saying, oh God, you know, Things aren't looking great, so I better suddenly evolve faster and be able to bear children uh, and mate early, you see, because uh, things are going to get tough. This is what she's basically saying. What? Absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. That, that would also mean, you see, if we're going to go into a, an era of famine, we, we'd, we'd, we'd shrink into smaller beings and um, we'd have smaller stomachs and we'd be filled with lesser food. And all the rest. See, that's what I'm saying. This is the the madness of their whole evolutionary theories. Or water shortages. We'll be like camels. We'll get humps in their backs. You know, this is the rubbish that they, they feed you. But this sounds exactly like the stuff you used to read from the Common Turn, as it, as it debated these weirdo points of what they called their doctrines. And you could not snigger. Believe you me, you'd had your you'd have your you'd be off to the gulag in no time. To believe it's all true with these straight-faced clones that uh, get employed in these positions. Anyway, we have them now in the West. It's all over because it's totally infiltrated, taken over, and folk don't even know it yet. Why do you think you're global, folks? 
What, whose, whose agenda was that? Have you read much in your past history? Have you read what's, uh, who promoted this globalistic idea? And so on? Of course not. And the media ain't going to tell you because you see they're all part of it. Now, I've warned folk before about their drinking water as well, and uh, fluoride, of course, which is a byproduct of aluminum. As you say in Britain, aluminium, they call it. And it's aluminum in America. And just like, the, because fluoride, that's what it was. It was a, it's a byproduct. It used to be waste stuff. They used to pay to get it dumped. Now they get you to buy the stuff and their toothpaste and stuff and add it to your water. But listen to this one. Driver admits he poisoned water supply to 20,000 homes. It says, um, from a Daily Mail, it says, A delivery driver told an inquest yesterday that he mistakenly dumped 20 tons of, of aluminium sulfate into the wrong tank at a water treatments work, or works causing Britain's worst mass poisoning. Relief driver John Stephens said he let himself into the lower moor treatment works near Camelford, North Cornwall. When no one from the South West Water Authority which ran the works turned up, he opened up what he thought was the correct manhole and emptied his tank. His error affected water supply to about 20,000 homes, causing rashes, diarrhea, mouth ulcers and other health problems. The water became so polluted that customers reported hair sticking to their bodies like superglue as they got out of their baths, the inquest at Shire Hall, Taunton, was told. People who rang the water authority switchboard were told the water was safe to drink, and some were even advised to boil it, which increased levels of aluminum still even further. They were only told three weeks later, of course that's always the way afterwards, that something had been added accidentally to the water. It was too concentrated, that's really what it was, because they put this stuff in your water all the time. By the way, any Alzheimer patient you ever see um, getting autopsies or read about autopsies, or postmortems as they call it over there, you'll find high concentrations of uh, aluminum in their brains. I've known that for about 50 years. But it's good for your water. It's good for your water, and it helps treat your water. And it helps teeth and all that too, the fluoride part of it as well. So, just to let you know. And now that we're in Big Brother's totalitarian system, and we haven't gone through into the brave new world yet, but we have a mixture between the two of them, and attitudes absolute for, for sure. The, the attitudes are the same. But... We're not into it all the way, so they're using the big boots in the meantime until we're all little, happily cloned, purposely made, engineered creatures uh, for the future. It says, scariest speed camera of all, it checks your insurance, your tax, and even whether you're tailgating or not wearing a seatbelt. Isn't technology wonderful, eh? You're all paying for it, of course. It says, even the most law-abiding driver might feel a shiver down the spine when spotting the speed camera at the roadside. For as well as detecting speeding, is packed with gizmos that check number plates to make sure insurance and tax are up to date. Now, they already have a lot of that stuff, and I've seen it on some of the British documentaries. It says it also measures the distance between the vehicles to spot tailgating and take pictures of the inside of your car to make sure you're wearing a seatbelt. It's the latest weapon. I love how now weapons weaponized. Cops are weaponized. It's the latest weapon in speed camera technology that can capture footage from 150 feet away. It's the first to detect multiple offences at the same time and is connected to police computers via satellite so that prosecutions can be started within seconds of any offence. Development of the system known as ASSET, it'll be a pain in the ass, all right, but it's ASSET, Advanced Safety and Driver Support for Essential Road Transport. They love these names, eh? They just love making up these little names. 
is being funded with around £7 million of European money. That's a, that's a little back from the, the $380 million they're giving them already, from Britain, that is. So it's undergoing testing in Finland at the moment is expected to be deployed across Europe from 2013, with each unit costing £50,000. All paid by taxpayers, yeah. Motoring organizations give a mixed reception. Oh, well, who cares what they think, because they're all front men too. All, all these all these ones in watchdog groups are all fronts, you know. They're all fronts. Oh, tut, tut, we don't like, oh, nasty. But that, that's, not a, see, that's not a legal complaint. Seeing it's nasty or, you know, it's, or that's my opinion is, is not a legal complaint. But that's what they're doing across the world and across Europe, first and foremost. And there was Tom from Wisconsin on the telephone. Hello? Hi, Alan. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yep. That's great. Um, I was calling tonight because I have been doing a lot of listening. I've actually been listening to old Jack McClam episodes from 2006, uh, old... Um, um, uh, Bill Cooper episodes of the Hour of the Time from back in 92, 93, 95. And what, I, what I'm picking up is that the playbook that the financial elite, the global financial elite are using um, is, a, is a playbook of problem-reaction-solution financially to just slowly consolidate things over time. Mm-hmm. And what I'm wondering is, after they've got, I mean, especially with the Anglo-American establishment, once they have their new world order where they have everybody in consensus about this is it, this is the new world order, um, is it going to be their religion of in their secret society circles that maintains the, the structure, or will it truly be the... Um, uh, the uh, cross between 1984 and Brave New World uh, mm-hmm. sort of control mechanisms that will ultimately end up controlling the controllers themselves. It, it will go through both phases, as I say. We're, we're overlapping right now. Uh, see, the attitudes that people have towards many things in 1984 or, or Brave New World are already here. The people have been trained from the 70s and free love and who needs a partner and all that kind of stuff or have as many partners as you want. Just as I showed you in Brave New World where uh, the so-called savage was brought out and he couldn't understand why they didn't couple off and marry and all this kind of stuff. And they tolerated him and thought how quaint and, and they'd laugh a little bit, but they couldn't understand why he would want to have a particular partner and stay with them. Uh, they wanted to, be, to have as many partners as they wanted. That attitude is already here. So many, many of the attitudes are already trained into the people beforehand, but, but to get us through into this massive global multicultural amalgamation where they're actually going to bring more immigration from all over the world and cram them into the cities, that, that is on the agenda. Officially, I've got all the documents here. Um, they'll, they'll need the big boot for that, and they need the big boot as well to, to force it to try and work with as less uh, conflict or, or, or friction as possible. And with the bringing down of the food supply, which is, is the next step for the UN to take care of, because they've been working on this for years, they've said at the Department of Agriculture that uh, they want to distribute the food to the world eventually from the United Nations and give quotas to each part. So up until the year 2050, that's how eventually it will, it will come. Once they give us the first main food crisis, since only five companies own the food of the world now, and I think it's all one company myself, 
I think it's just like Nestle with all its bottled water companies, you know, they actually the, the top honchos who own it all. I think it's the same with the world food supply. And when you start pulling that out and putting it on rations, there's going to be an awful lot of problems and conflict in these new overcrowded cities. And um, there's going to be a lot of problems. And the cops will have a field day with all their wonderful weapons and stuff. So they have to go through that yet. They have to go through that before they get what comes out of it, a, a lower population, of course, uh, through through the cutting back massively of health care, um, they will have a lot of people dying off. And, and of course, priority abortions, priority abortions, or even mandatory abortions to bring the population down will be put into play for necessity. And then they, they hope around after 2050 to go into the proper controlled society with the survivors, if there are any they, they, they deem fit to come through, uh, into the brave new world uh, scenario. Yeah. So they're literally they're literally going to wipe out the majority of the population and then try and recreate like starting from day zero in Cambodia mm-hmm. a, a brand new world order literally yeah. with a brand new culture scientifically crafted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then so this then what now what I've noticed is that the elite always seem to end up fighting with each other mm-hmm. over the levers of power and end up eating each other. And I'm mm-hmm. just wondering what is it that's going to keep them from eating each other, is it going to be their mystery Babylon, a type of, of religion, uh, their, their secret society circles that they run in, mm-hmm. or, or, or or will they end up consolidating it so much to where, you know, all all they can do now is just bicker and fight with each other, and then that whole mm-hmm. idea of never having war again is mm-hmm. out the window because they want what what each other supposedly has, which is control over yeah. whatever sector of the population they have. Yeah. Well, in the document put out by the military think tank for Britain and NATO and the one for the U.S. that are both on board together with their predictions up to the year 2050, they say eventually as they wither away the nation state, which they're already done really, and they're selling chunks of Britain and different countries off, um, you're, and now you're getting put down to your community level with commutarianism. They say there will be some super cities that down the road in the future may have their occasional spat and little war amongst themselves very high tech. But, but in reality, you've, you've really got one group running the world. Uh, they've infiltrated every country, every peoples, and they run the world. And they themselves take orders from, from almost a religious organization above them, you might say, run like a religion. Yeah. Like the high, the high priests of the New World Order. Yes, absolutely. Wow. So what is that, like a handful of 10 or 20 guys that that get together and decide, or, or, are they, or, do they, or do they have their own marching orders from, you know, what, what they maybe would call Lucifer or whatever this dark energy is, they draw their, their guidance? It's, it's not really a dark energy. What it is, is that they're the only people in the world who have an active plan and who have actively worked out, and they do every generation, the plan to get to their agenda. No one else has done this, understand? Everyone else has sat back and gone through wars and breathed a sigh of relief and gone back to try and get back to how things were. These are the ones who are working forward under different names, such as communism, socialism, you call it what you want. Um, and they always know that what the next step is to be and the next step and the next. They never take a break. And uh, they're the only active ones who, who have been doing this to change society. That's their function is to change it all and recreate it all into the way that they think scientifically it should be ordered, designed, and run. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to 
uh, thank you for all your work, Alan, because you bring a sense of calmness and focus to this that people like Alex Jones and, and other so-called truth or patriot radio hosts um, don't don't really bring to the to the discussion is a sense of like calmness and focus. So, well, we have to be calm because unfortunately, there's no point in getting angry or even panicking because you do realize that this was going on before we were born, and uh, it's been going on all through our lifetime. It's been going on step by step, always progressing to and, and, and signing treaties internationally, bringing it all into being, and here we are. An average person still thinks they live in a, a nation. Uh, with elected rep- representatives, they have no idea of all the treaties, agreements that have been signed, and how much money that they're tossing towards the UN and all of its thousands of agencies. And, and you're bringing about this global society. Every week, more and more goes by, more and more is signed. We're totally tied into it now. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Alan. I appreciate everything you do. And thanks for calling. And all I can do really is just um, basically. Uh, chronicle the happenings of it and for the few who want to know or may want to know down the road is how we got here and and the, the longer time goes on with the more perfect scientific socialistic indoctrination of children the more difficult it will be for anyone to break out and ask the right questions or even think of asking the questions and that that's already kind of happening too um, I had an article recently from someone who and I know why this is happening, but it was to do with, he, sh- he was a teacher who showed um, a footage of Chernobyl when it happened, when the, the nuclear reactor melted, basically. It was a graphite reactor. They've won in New York State, by the way. They use graphite primarily for military weaponry. And um, they showed you all these, they were brave guys, I can remember at the time, guys running in with shields, hoping to shield themselves from radiation, to fill in this hole to stop the radiation and the gases from coming up. And um, he thought it would really shock them and have them concerned. None of the young children cared. They were completely disinterested in what happened there. There's no compassion in them. Back with more after this break. Folks, I'm Alan Watts. We're cutting through the matrix. I should just mention that last little bit I mentioned about the youngsters. They weren't children. They were teenagers. And some of them were taking journalistic courses and so on. And the teacher hoped that they'd go further and do a lot of more courses with this type of thing. But he wanted to see the reaction about humanity in general and so on as these guys all lost their lives trying to fill in this massive gaping hole as that the reactor had left when it sunk into the ground. And uh, I can remember at the time there were these guys running in and knowing they were all going to die, which they did, and have their skin literally burned right off them and so on. And these teenagers literally, the only, the only comments they had that they, did were that they didn't like the accents and so on. As far as the content, they didn't care less. Something's happened to these children, you see. Something has actually happened to their minds. They have no empathy, nothing at all. They're kind of bored, and uh, that's a, an ominous sign. But I think it's exactly what they wanted at the top, to bring in a generation like that, who will uh, be, have the same attitudes when folk are starving around and so on. It makes perfect sense for that to happen. 
And finally, now all these links too I'll put up for tonight at cuttingthroughmatrix.com and you can look them up for yourself. And especially the one from the, from, from the, the British House of Lords. Very interesting. If you read through all the other topics, you'll see that what I mean by communistic, uh, so on, as things are presented, ministers of that, ministers of the next part, and ministers, ministers, all in different uh, specific areas of society under the a natural communistic system. But this article here is the White House must shut down hate videos on YouTube. It's from, this is what they've been asked by or demanded by the UK and others. It says, British ministers, politicians have urged the White House to order the US websites hosting Al-Qaeda. They're starting with Al-Qaeda. You know it's going to spread to everything. It's nothing to do with Al-Qaeda. Videos to be removed them after a student inspired by online sermons tried to murder a Labour politician. Now, it's a woman apparently to try to kill or stab some Labour MP. She's only doing what lots of folk that were trained in the British way would thought maybe in their dreams but never thought of doing. But people from other countries see things in a different light altogether. And you also get the people who are a bit unstable out there regardless. They don't need any prompting to do these weird sorts of things. Anyway, it says here um, that um, Roshanara uh, Choudhury, 21, became the first Al-Qaeda fanatic to attempt a political assassination in Britain when she stabbed Stephen Timms at his constituency surgery in May. And it's, and also, I'll further say it right off the bat, Al-Qaeda fanatic. After he was convicted of attempted murder yesterday, it emerged that British-born Choudhury had been radicalized by watching internet videos of Anwar al-Awlaki. And they tell us that internet videos or videos in general make us do things. In that case, I guess all those stuff in the porn that have been churning out for years and on music television and so on has, has literally had an effect, hasn't it? If it makes folk do these things, yeah, there's an admission, I suppose. Anyway, it says, uh, watching the videos of Anwar al-Awlaki, the Yemen-based terrorist wanted over last week's parcel bomb plot to blow up aircraft. It's amazing, too, they're saying these bombs all came from Yemen, and people have already forgotten a few months ago, I read it on the air, that, uh, that Obama and his boys wanted to invade the Yemen. So now they're dreaming up the reasons to go in, and this is how they present it to you. So anyway, uh, they want to have uh, the, the U.S. Uh, re- regulate American-based sites that host extremist videos, including YouTube. That means all ever, everything else that they'll gradually say is hate. You know that yourself, so don't you? Don't you? Anyway, from Hamish Monsieur from Ontario, Canada, is good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.